0: Insolvency law has been put on hold for six months, and no one in Australia has any clear idea about how big the economic hole we're in is. So there could be significant reform, or there could be a tsunami of winding up applications and businesses that go broke at the end of it. You're listening to Australia's podcast for accountants, Tax Talks, the podcast to grow your firm.
1: Welcome to another COVID-19 update of Text Talks, update number 16. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. What happens if you or your clients can't pay your creditors anymore during this ongoing COVID-19 crisis? When do you need to worry about insolvent trading? Or what happens on the other side when debtors stop paying you or your clients because they're still in lockdown? Ben Sewell of Sewell and Kettle in Sydney is an insolvency lawyer and so perfect to ask for advice.
0: There's not a single um, matter which is the same.
1: All changed.
0: Mm. But in terms of insolvency, yeah, there isn't much going on. In terms of new insolvency appointments, little, really.
1: Which is surprising. You would think it's coming it's
0: because of this law okay it's because of this law so there's there's no need to do it there's cash flow boost there's job keeper there's a lot of support out support there so that means that if you're a um, business
1: you that had been on going. the brink you might actually be better off at the moment if you had been a business that had been on the brink with cash flow boost and job keeper mm-hmm. you might actually be in a better position now than you were before
0: maybe i guess it depends on how you look, look at it the ATO is going to be in a much worse position because no one's paying the taxes. The landlord's going to be in a much worse position. So if you're insolvent already, essentially you're trading on some, someone else's dime. You're not paying your landlord, you're not paying taxes, you're not needing to pay employees anymore. So I guess it's everyone else that's paying for the cost. But that is an economic choice. It's it's, it's either we're like America or we're like the way, way we are. So we made a, a um, health
1: choice and an economic choice. Have you had clients who inquired, made inquiries, were on the brink of insolvency and have now said, no, hold on, we don't I've have to do it to at the moment. Mu- I've told them to hold them.
0: I said, don't worry about it. You don't have to pay your landlord. You don't have to pay your taxes. You don't have to, you get this job kept come in. You can send all your employees home. I've had like the one client who is in the very worst position. He's just, um, he bakes bread and he bakes, um, uh, bakes sort of um, what do you call it? boutique, pizzas and breads and something that's got dough in it. He bakes it. 40 employees, warehouse, uh, machinery, everything. We analysed it and all his clients were cruise ships, cinemas, boutique sort of um, entertainment providers. So all
1: his clients are locked down? So we
0: said, shut the door, lock it, send all your employees home, wait. So that's an example of something tipped upside down where things were going in the right direction. And now we analysed it, talked to him for a day, day, day or two, and in about the beginning of April, just said, "Look, that's it. Just lock everything up, put all your employees on job and wait. Your landlord can't kick kick you out. The HO isn't going to come come after you. Just go, wait, come back."
1: And was he doing well before the crisis? No, he was.
0: He was on the edge. He was okay. on the edge, completely on the edge, and Fair Work Act issues and other sorts sort sorts of issues, but. The point of the story is, is that he was in such a bad position, but he's able to lock the door, go home, and just wait. There's nothing that I can do. There's no point in pointing anyone because it'll just wind up the company. He's being propped up. And uh, it's the ATO, it's the landlord, the Commonwealth of Australia that's paying the bills.
1: rules and then we can understand what's different normal at rules the are all
0: suspended now they're all suspended until the 24th of sep- September
1: okay so we don't need to worry about the no normal you can't but
0: I'm just I'm just saying that those normal rules are suspended so you can continue to trade whilst you're insolvent incur debts practically ATO isn't going to collect debt your landlord's stuck you know so this is really a a really strange zone
1: so that basically means you have a wild card until the end of September. That's exactly right. You can incur whatever that you like. You can do whatever you think is necessary to survive this. Nobody's ca- going to come after you for insolvent trading.
0: That's exactly right. But no, well, there's cr- criminal provisions. So if you, so if I walk down to, the, to I don't know, if 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 I incur say a ten million dollar debt, and it's obvious that there's no way I could possibly pay back and I'm deliberately doing it to get the money out or to get the value. There's criminal provisions which are still there. So there is some there is a boundary, boundary, but 99.99% small to medium-sized enterprises can just keep going for the entire period, regardless of how big their tax bill is, regardless of entitlements being unpaid, regardless of whether they pay their landlord or not. There's gonna be a bit of a hit when the, the quarter four of the year, last quarter of the year comes around because all these bills are gonna be due. What
1: well, then So that means basically at the moment do everything prepayment, everything for cash on delivery. That's what don't do incur prep- any receivables because your legal position at the moment until the end of September you might not see any money before October if yeah, you sell then, on credit at the moment. And there's
0: a broader issue in that if anyone has owed you money before the 24th of March, you can't get it back now, what do you do? Do you just tell up the invoice? And tell them realistically, they're not going to pay me back. So uh, trade credit insurers, as I'm sure you've read, won't insure um, department store debts anymore. So if you're a supplier and you sold goods to David Jones or Meyer, you can't get trade credit insurance on you because they've assessed that them as a risk. And that's gone. So what do you do even if you're selling goods to Maya? Yeah, which is public entity has has a balance sheet. You know, what do you do?
1: So you basically only deliver upon prepayment. It's true, but... But then, of course, Maya or David Jones runs the risk that that they pay and you don't deliver.
0: Yeah, I know. But you can... See, the thing is, this short-term... But, but that's not the real loss. If you have if you have one month of supply or two two months of uh, supply, okay, you can uh, you can manage that one month at a time. Okay, your risk is down like that. I'm talking about what if you have a big debt that hasn't been paid yet. Yeah,
1: like if you're a builder. That's the
0: forward. Yeah, I mean, well, that's that's one one example. What 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 about the forward, you know, risk? And that's what you, in terms of assessing your position, you need to do today. You need to plan for that as to whether you won, you will get paid in full, or you get half paid, or you get paid zero. That's a tricky one. And uh, it comes down to the value assets, it comes down to what goes on out there. And no one knows, because no one's been, been through this before. So anyone who tells you they've been through it before, they don't know. So the temporary reforms are reforms... So I'm going to talk about the corporate side of things. I'm not going to talk about the personal side of things, so individual bankruptcy. What I'll talk about is the corporate side of things because that's really where business is um, affected. So the number one change is that the statutory demand process in Australia, which is where lawyers and creditors can issue a demand, and if the debtor, so the company that owes the money, doesn't either comply with it or, or, or run to court to object to it, If they don't comply with that demand, the creditor can wind them up so they can appoint their own liquidator after 21 days. That process has the effect of really stimulating debtors paying debts in Australia. So if you're a corporate debtor and you get one of those, so the creditor's statutory demand, it's going to fire you up a bit and you're going to have to respond to it. And one of the responses could be you appoint an administrator or you wind up the company yourself or you just pay the debt back. So they're, they're your only three options other than to run to court and to file an application to set it aside and, and challenge it. So two things change with that. The minimum threshold went from from a $2,000 debt to 20000 so quite high. And the second thing is the compliance period changed from 21 days to six months. So if you were a creditor today, so we're talking today is the 30th of June, okay. and you were going to issue a statutory demand the debtor would have six months and there's no point doing it today because you may as well wait to the 25th of September when this reform expires and issue a fresh one then because it's only 21 days. So there's no point doing it. And the second thing that's changed is there's a safe harbour from insolvent trading which has been temporarily extended and for the uh, lawyers that are out there, it's section 588 G A of the Corporations Act And what it provides is that during the um, COVID-19 six-month period, 24 March to 24 September, the prohibition against insolvent trading is suspended. There's legal qualifications of that, so I'm not going to go into it too much. And there's also still criminal provisions that are applicable for the prohibition on insolvent trading. But what this, this has effectively meant is that businesses, even if they're insolvents, so that means they have a chronic shortage of working capital that they just can't pay their debts, debts back. They're, they're insolvent. It means they can, at least for this six-month period, continue to trade and the directors can use this law to justify what they've done. Now, look, it's not as simple as that and you've got to read the law. Debt's have got to be incurred in the ordinary course of business. So there's qualifications to it. But when the government announced this and when they implemented it, it was a strong message to small to medium-sized enterprises in Australia to say, okay, you don't need to wind yourself up. You don't need to appoint an administrator for this six-month period. And the message has come through because the ASIC statistics on the numbers of companies that have been wound up or gone into administration since this reform was brought into place has just shot down like you wouldn't believe. So you're reading every day about companies that have gone into administration, I'm sure, but... The actual statistics are that it has just plummeted. Plummeted.
1: Which means there's a lot of insolvent trading out there.
0: That's the theory. That's the theory. What it is, what's changed, is is those basic curbs that we have in our insolvency law have been temporarily suspended. So the basic curbs aren't there. So it could have resulted in a free for all. At least I'm seeing some of the clients that are clients of mine that are taking advantage of it. it may be that, that I'm in a more extreme space and that someone's only going to come to an insolvency lawyer when things are quite extreme. It still comes down to deferrals. It still comes down to, okay, well, the six-month period expires. Can people negotiate deferrals? Can people pay off debts over time? Can a business pay off debts over time? Or is it so insolvent that it just can't? Not all businesses are like the Qantas Airlines example. So you can't just go to the share market and get more money. You can't just go to a bank and increase your facility. You can't call up the prime minister and ask for a um, billion dollars. All of the things that Qantas can ask for, small to medium-sized enterprises just don't have.
1: Good question. This creditary statutory demand, is that just a letter I write? <clears throat> so let's say I'm it's a, a... It's uh, a
0: form. So you, you fill in the form. It's Which uh, you
1: download from the internet.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a form nine. Uh, you can I'm sure there's plenty online, but it's a specific form that on the top of the documents says form nine creditors statutory demand for payment and there's parameters where you type in the creditor's name you type in the debtor's name you type in the amount of the debt you type in the particulars of the debt and that the creditor or their lawyer signs it and serves it so either posts it to or drops it off at the the debtor's registered address and that it triggers from there
1: i seen anybody can send this any creditor Somebody owes money to. Yes, can fill out this form and then sends it to the uh, to the company to okay. the registered address of the company. It would be
0: prudent to get a lawyer to do it, just be just to make sure that all the particulars are correct. And there's rules regarding the, the principal place of business and which address you've got to serve it to. And just the there's limitations on it in that if there is a genuine dispute to the debt or the amount of the debt, you could get dragged into the Supreme Court or the Federal Court to argue whether it should be um, set aside. If it's done accurately and correctly with a debt that is a clear case, then it's a great way to enforce a debt. It's a great way to provoke action. But if there's a muddle with the, the amount of the debt or there's no signed contract or there's something there which hasn't been followed in terms of a proper process, a creditor could get themselves in a court-based problem, which, mm-hmm. is, which is a litigation.
1: And before COVID-19, you could only send a creditor statutory demand if the debt was more than $2,000. That's right. At the moment, you can only send a creditor statutory demand if the debt is more than $20,000. But of course, just wait until the 24th of September 2020, and then it goes back to 21 days and $2,000. That's
0: exactly right, unless there are other reforms brought in. And so the the corporate law reforms we have in Australia are driven by the Treasury. So the, the Treasury, I'm sure, today is sitting, thinking about this, checking the statistics. So if there is going to be reforms, they've got to be put in place before that day. If they don't, then we revert back to what we have, which is a lot of statutory demands being issued for debts, which is landlords blowing up about unpaid rent, which is one of applications, which is companies going to administration, which is um, more of a Schumpeter sort of model, which is, you know, cap- capitalism blowing up and coming down.
1: So it's actually very straightforward at the moment. Quite easy.
0: Yeah, well, that's the challenge.
1: There's no point in sending a creditory straight to show demand at the moment because... It's six months so you might as well wait until the 24th of september
0: mm-hmm. this is a judgment call this is something that no one there's no accountants that have been through this there's no lawyers that have been through this before about the valuation of debts, it depends on the depth of the economic downturn yeah are we going to and- have a depression are we going to have a recession what what are your pre-covid invoices now worth
1: because the other thing is also, if you send the statutory demand now, at least the 6 months clock starts ticking. If these special rules get extended, for example, by another, by another year, and you have waited until September in the expectation that you then can issue a 21-day statutory demand, then you have lost four months am i right july august you've lost three months basically whereas if you serve it now you're already halfway through the six months period
0: i would suggest to people they just wait so it's only three months away and i would think that they're not going to extend it i haven't heard anything about it being extended i haven't read anything the government has not foreshadowed it there hasn't been a single signal that it has been so i would suggest that if anyone owes you money and you're thinking about issuing a statutory demand, just waiting. But the bigger issue is, can the uh, the debtor pay the debt? If they can't pay the debt, at least you can issue the statutory demand when you've got the 21-day time period and that's going to provoke action. But the bigger challenge, I think, and this is not just a process of using a legal instrument to collect a debt or understanding insolvency law in Australia, but if there is a whole tsunami of zombie companies out there that just can't pay their debts then the time to plan for it is now to cut back expenses to downsize to uh, plan going forward for a significant dedu- uh, reduction in income and making sure that your structure is right so you've got asset protection that's what i'd be doing rather than worrying about the date you're going to issue your statutory demand the pressures i'd say are we're going to build up from uh, commercial landlords first they're going to be the first people to go after the tenants that owe the money then the ATO at some time has got to change their policy. So if you haven't been remitting your PAYG, GST income, and you haven't paid your income tax debt, for this six-month period, it's going to start to scale up a lot. So the ATO at some point in time is going to have to step in, and you think it's got to be this year. But there is no empirical model I've seen for this. There's There's no empirical model that I can point to you to say what is going to happen on the 24th of September. If all of these laws come back into place, no one's got any idea economically. No one's got any idea in terms of the quantification of the number of companies that can't pay their debts. No one's got any idea, for example, the number of restaurants they're going to close. Are we talking half? Are we talking 20%? Are we talking 10%? The unemployment rate today is something like 7.75% up until the 31st of May. That's got to be a ridiculous understatement, okay? It's being propped up by JobKeeper, seeker. Sorry, JobKeeper. What is the... The model going forward, no one knows. In America, the estimate is 20% unemployment. The Chinese have something like 25% unemployment. Economically, they're going through the the downturn today, but we aren't. Debt forgiveness, because this is something that... One of the key issues we need to understand is, other than commercial landlords and retail leases, there is no debt forgiveness regime that has been introduced. Nothing new, okay? The only debt forgiveness that a business can have is through the voluntary administration procedure. 24th of September comes around. There's the temporary safe harbor. It all comes to an end, but there's no debt forgiveness. So other jurisdictions around the world have been looking at debt forgiveness as a a process. There's no uniform approach around the world. So, for example, there's no regime implemented that says, okay, well, pre-COVID-19 invoices should be halved, or should be discounted by 25% or there's nothing like that around the world that's consistent. And there's nothing like that in Australia that's actually been foreshadowed as a reform. That would be quite a significant reform. If there is no further reform, then what you would think would occur is that businesses would look at restructuring. There'd be higher uptakes of Phoenix activity, higher uptakes of voluntary administration and changes to the way that other enterprises operate so they get rid of their expense accounts they get rid of their travel accounts reduce their advertising costs shrink their headcount doing all sorts of things that when you add them all together result in an economic downturn big economic downturn there's also going to be no immigration so that's going to affect rentals less foreign students come into australia no tourists coming to australia so you add all this together and you're looking at a major major downturn the perfect storm
1: in your note uh, you talked about docker what is docker
0: okay so it's the debt forgiveness regime in australia so if you're a business and you're insolvent so can't pay your debts back the regime we've got this is the process the legal process it's been around since 1993 is that the director's aren't allowed to con- trade, so they aren't allowed to continue trading trade if they're insolvent, and they've got two choices. They can either put the company in liquidation or they can appoint the administrator, same person. The idea behind the administrator is the administrator comes in, puts together a restructuring plan, and presents it as a proposal to the creditors, and they vote on it. And you need a majority in number and a majority in value to get that debt haircut proposal agreed to, and then the, the docker, the data company arrangement, is the instrument that's signed. So it's the, the tripartite contract between the creditors, the directors and the company that formally implements whatever the plan is, whatever the, the proposal is. In Australia, the statistics are very depressing on dockers being successful. So there's something like less than 15% of insolvent companies use the voluntary administration procedure then something like a quarter of those companies have a docker. So most don't do it. So that means 75% just don't bother because it's too too hard and there's no way they can get it accepted. And then I think there's no statistics on it today that I can refer to, but I think something like another 25% actually get a signed data company arrangement and fulfill it. So mm-hmm. it's pretty depressing. It's, it's, it's very depressing and when you add it all up, 15% and then 25% of the 15% and then 25% of the the 25%, you come down to, say, 2% success rate.
1: Signed data company arrangement, isn't that a docker? Or docker mm-hmm. is the proposal and then when they accept it, no, the, you the, have a signed data company docker arrangement?
0: The, the docker is the deed of company arrangement. It's just shortened to to okay. a docker in industry parlance.
1: So the side debtor company arrangement is a docker, meaning a deed of company arrangement.
0: Yes, and it's the restructure. So there are some interesting statistics on the voluntary administration process in Australia. The, the one statistic is, so over the course of my career, became a lawyer in 2002, the administration procedure has just been on a steep decline. And when you look at the actual ASIC statistics, I actually started as an insolvency lawyer at the high point of the voluntary administration procedure so there's something in, in 2002 and 2003 there was something like three thousand voluntary administrations in those years in each of those years today it's gone down to a thousand so sorry, last year was a thousand so the director initiated liquidation process okay where the directors step in and they wind up it's called the creditors voluntary liquidation process has gone from a thousand in 2000 to four thousand last year so the raw statistics show that directors are just going straight into liquidation and the administration process has basically failed so it's very depressing so if i have clients that come in to see me to talk about restructuring it's a difficult conversation because we just don't have the procedure in australia that's really there to help the directors
1: because you basically have to tell them don't bother
0: well it's not as simple as that but i think you have got to warn people and say well okay you go through the administration process number one it's seen in the media, it's seen by your subcontractors, it's seen by your employees as exactly the same as a liquidation. So you've got the stigma, you got the stink of failure.
1: Nobody would deliver on credit anymore. Nobody
0: deliver on credit, employers will walk out the door, it will be a disaster. So you've got to warn people about that. And then in terms of the success rates, you've also got to think about the dynamics. If you have a creditor vote and you're asking these people to take $0.10 cents on the dollar or $0.05 cents on the dollar, they're going to hit the roof. They're going to vote against. So... Probably the only way you can do it is if you have related party votes. That means if you get your employees on board and you have a director's loan account or you have a block of votes that you can control and that will support you. And also there's a process where the administrator has a casting vote. But that's, that's a very difficult discussion and that in a way doesn't help the economics of uh, the situation, which is trying to rescue the viable part of the business trying to rescue the part that is going to give Australia, the family, the community, the best economic return rather than putting it to the sword completely. V-shape, U-shape or L-shape? Recovery. Recovery. So one, so this is the economic theory. And the bad news is, is that I think every business in Australia today needs to sit down and... Their forward decisions have got to be based on what they think is going to happen. So the V-shape recovery is where there's a, start, a steep decline and then a big uptake.
1: And that's basically the best-case scenario. Best-case
0: scenario. Best scenario. Then there's the U-shape, which is more of a conventional recession where there's a, a steep decline but a slow recovery. And then there's an L-shape, which is the, the depression scenario, which is bad. There is no one out there that can advise a small medium-sized enterprise, about what they should do. It depends on the industry, depends on their position. If they've got debt, they're going to come under pressure. A business that doesn't have debt can never go bankrupt okay, because it will never be under pressure. This is the time where a business that doesn't have debt is probably going to be fine, but they're going to have to downsize.
1: A business that doesn't have debt will be fine as long as a turnover always covers cost?
0: Well, it depends on fixed costs, variable costs, but if they don't have debt, they're going to get a hundred grand cash flow boost. They're going to be able to put their employees on job care, but they're going to have time.
1: Yes, fair point.
0: And they're going to be able to get the Commonwealth Guaranteed Loan Scheme to get say two hundred fifty grand, which is what I've been been saying. And the Commonwealth Guaranteed Loan Scheme is amazing. You've got three to four percent interest a year, or I've even seen two point five percent interest for a, a Queensland based loan. Deferred for six months. It's uh, the interests obviously are deductible. Uh, fantastic. But the business itself – and look, the the problem is there isn't too many people that can advise a smaller, medium-sized enterprise. I'd love to say they're accountants, but the reality is their accountants have 100 clients. They're really busy. And if they're intelligent, a smart accountant is going to work with the dentists, not with the builders that are going broke because the dentists are going to be low maintenance, high fee paying, they're going to have financial planning, they're going to have a mortgage, all this sort of thing that's going to result in a better business model for the accountant. If the accountant is only focusing on the builders and the transport companies that are going broke, they're crazy, absolutely crazy because they probably won't get paid and they get dragged into it.
1: Unless they're on a subscription model.
0: It's bespoke work. If you're working on a turnaround, it's bespoke. No company is the same. You're not going to be able to delegate the work to a junior accountant, they won't even be able to communicate with the person, they won't know the problems. It's bespoke. So the work is limited by the hours in the day the consultant has. And if they want to have 100 clients paying them 10 grand a year and make um, a million bucks turn turnover and profit of 400 grand, which is the model, they won't get it.
1: What can an SME do if they hit rough sea?
0: There's a lot of... Different theories about there, out there about what they can do. Downsizing, making the business more efficient is always the first protocol. Okay, so rather than desperately going out and trying to increase sales, look at the expense side because if the sales are going to go down, the expense side has got to go down as well. Also, making sure the working capital is sufficient to pay your bills. And as I said before, if you don't have any debt, you can't go bankrupt. The next thing would be to avoid discounting and avoid going out and making rash decisions okay, that result in poor economic returns. So there's no point, for example, going out and hugely discounting the, the service offering or the product you've got if, you, if it's going to result in you making even big, an even bigger loss going forward. You've still got to keep your eye on the ball in terms of margin, still got to keep your eye on the ball in terms of economic return. There's also issues where a business should look at whether there's any toxic employees. Is there anyone there that's bringing anyone down? Is there um, any clients that are not ideal clients? Looking at the composition of clients, if a business is reliant too heavily on one client and that if that one client decide to end the contract, that they would go go down, just seriously think about the viability of what they're doing and look at that diversification. It's very difficult in Australia to find professional advisors. So the first protocol is always the accountant. accountant's busy, he's got 100 clients, he or she, I should say. There are very few other professional advisors that actually... Work in this space. The director in the small to medium-sized enterprises really should look at at self-help first. Look at the simplification of the business they've got. Look at planning for um, scenarios. So talk to their accountant to do a budget for the 2021 year and think about, okay, well, what if there's a depression or what if there's a recession? What would the variances be? What would I need to do? And then avoiding putting their – this is the main thing, avoiding putting their personal assets on the line. So dipping into your super – to use as working capital is crazy. Even if you go bankrupt, your super is protected. Don't do it. Burning credit cards, 20% interest every year, to use as working capital is crazy. Realistically looking at employees, looking, okay, well, what what are they doing for me? In Australia, we have a management problem, which is that people try and be mates, not to managers. So looking at actually the objectives of all your employees, redoing work plans, redoing the... Um, the deliverables that your, client, that your employees have to make sure that it's aligned with what you're trying to achieve and uh, managing by objectives, making sure all your employees are clear on objectives. If you do this, the net result is probably going to be that the employees that are unproductive will leave, and that's fine.
1: So that basically means for companies that are hitting rough C at the moment there isn't really anything legally they need to look out for in terms of insolvency law, et cetera, because that's all put on ice basically until the the 24th of September. So at the moment, it's just focus on the business, focus on getting costs down, turnover up, making sound decisions as you just described. So it basically just comes down to good business decisions, but the legal side is basically on ice until the 24th of September.
0: That's right. But if a business is going to be insolvent on the 25th of September, which is the day after these temporary reforms end, then I would strongly suggest that they do some forward planning today because whatever they want to do, it's going to take some time to work out whether an administration is going to work, a liquidation is going to work, whether a transfer of assets is going to work. The last thing you want to do is to hit the beginning of September and not have an idea in place about what you're going to do. Because what I've seen in the past is businesses make rash decisions. They try and do side deals with landlords. They try and transfer assets out of one company. They create a schmozzle that our insolvency laws are designed to take apart. And uh, there's also been a key reform called a credit defending disposition, which has been brought in at the beginning of this year. And what that means is if a business engages in Phoenix activity, It will result in a um, a clawback of all the assets that are transferred out and also the professional advisors involved in the transfer can be dragged into it as well. So if you're an accountant and uh, your client seeks your advice regarding an asset transfer of assets out of an insolvent company and you give that advice, you could get caught up in the, um, the liquidators' work afterwards and you could be personally liable to pay back, which is quite a big reform that, I, that wasn't planned to coincide with COVID-19. It was just planned to um, progress the, um, the Treasury and the ATO and the government's um, anti-finishing laws that have been discussed for the last 20 years or more. Insolvency law has been put on hold for six months and no one in Australia has any clear idea about how big the economic hole we're in is. So this is an amazing time. This is a time when there could be significant reform or there could be a tsunami of winding up applications and businesses that go broke at the end of it. I don't know which, but I'm preparing for both our scenarios. Welcome
1: back. So until the 24th of September this year, 2020, you can only make statutory demands from $20,000 onwards, so the usual threshold of $2,000 currently doesn't apply. And the response period for such a statutory demand is currently six months and not 21 days. And most importantly, at the moment you don't need to worry about insolvent trading until the 24th of September after that. We go back to the usual regime of holding directors personally liable for insolvent trading and creditor statutory demands from $2,000 onwards with a response time of 21 days. In the next update, Update 17, we will look at tenancy law under COVID-19 again. In Update 9 we went through the Commercial Tenancy Code which is a federal directive to all states and territories and stipulates 14 principles. So now we need to look at whether and how the states and territories now implemented this code into law. This is what Ben Suhl will tell you in the next update. Thank you for listening and thank you to class for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next update.